0: The Smart Sports Guide is brought to you by SummaxBatteries.com. As always, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SomeX Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty Ultra Alkaline, Lithium, and Button Cell batteries. SomeX Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, Summax batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke rooms, whatever device you need a battery for. somebody has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24 pack of AA or AAA heavy duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24 pack of ultra alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use one code BOSTON, that's all uppercase, BOSTON, at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. That's one code BOSTON, all uppercase, at checkout, and save big today. com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're talking about the Patriots with Andrew Nason, our lead NFL draft analyst over at Guy Boston Sports. Nason, welcome back to the show. For the third time this month, it's been quite the string of appearances for you. It's been a
1: pleasure, man. Glad to just kind of relax after the whole draft process. Although I was really hungover after night one. Yeah, I know you
0: put a lot of work in to all the stuff you did before the draft. Thank you for that. Uh, there's a lot of places we could start, but let's start with quarterback. You obviously were of the mind that Siddham was the Patriots guy heading into the draft. That seems to have proven to be true. Uh, but even though you believed they were behind Siddham, are you still surprised they didn't select a quarterback at all?
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't. Um... Just because, you know, obviously we saw some valuable guys fall in the draft and you would think they might just take a flyer on one, even if it was in like round seven. There were guys like Nate Stanley who I kind of thought had some potential tools to be good, um, who I thought the Patriots might just take a look at. But I love the fact that they didn't take a quarterback because this shows, you know, before this whole process, you know, they didn't sign anybody in free agency. They only brought back Brian Hoyer. And, you know, I felt that was a confidence boost for Jared Stidham, that Belichick believes that he's going to win with this guy. Not drafting just gives means they are truly 100% confident in Stidham. This is their guy. He's going to be successful. And, you know, he has to be feeling really good about this. So, you know, in terms of building up your quarterback that you have, I think this was a great move for that because – it's just such a confidence boost that, you know, they didn't feel the need to really go out and invest anything. They picked up a couple undrafted free agents who we'll touch on later, but, you know, that's nothing that's going to frighten Stidham or, you know, give away to any bit of his starting job.
0: Yeah, well, you know, look, yeah, you're right. They they committed to Stidham. Stidham's their guy, and you were right about that all along. You, you know, and a lot of people said that too. I mean, Ian Rappaport came out. He said they were going to take a quarterback with a premium pick. They did not. So, fine. You don't want to take a quarterback? That is fine, but... Now, you better be right. He better be good because you've you fully committed to him and you put all your eggs in that basket. And me going into this, I was never totally against Stidham. I think that he, I, I did like a little bit of what we saw from him in the preseason. He's pretty mobile for a quarterback, and he showed that in the preseason. And, you know, I don't hate him as a prospect, but I didn't want the Patriots to put all their eggs in one basket. I wanted them to draft another guy, have some competition there, see who, you know, emerges as the better option. And they decided not to do that. We'll see how it works out for them. Um, You know, you mentioned some guys dropping. Jake Fromm is the one on everybody's mind. You know, I was a proponent of them drafting Jake Fromm. Clearly, a lot of NFL teams did not like Jake Fromm for whatever reasons they may have had. But once it got to the fifth round, I mean, how can you not take a chance on a guy like that? At that point, the cost value just seems too good to pass up. And when you're Taking a guy in the fifth or even in the fourth, there's no expectation that that guy's going to be your starter. So I get not taking him in the second and the third, anything like that, but fourth, fifth, that's backup range. So it seemed like it made too much sense, and it did surprise me that they weren't willing to take him once it got to that point. I understand they needed a kick or two, but even if you had to extend yourself to trade up again in the fifth, uh, to me it would have been worth it. Yeah, I'll say this. You know, obviously you're right when you say, you know, your
1: quarterback that you take in the fourth, fifth round. That's not a guy you expect to be a starter. Hell, you got to take a guy in the... It's probably first or second round where you're looking at a potential starter guy. Um, And Jacob Eason fell as well. He fell in the fourth round to the Colts. I thought that was a great pick for them. Fromm going to Buffalo in the fifth round, that's great value. It's weird considering the fact that Josh Allen is this big mobile um, running quarterback and Jake Fromm is not that. Um, But the thing about Jake Fromm is like he has the star power. And the name that in the fifth round, he's still going to come into certain situations and there and people who without an established quarterback, you know, what if Stidham struggles? They might be calling for Jake Fromm's name um, despite the fact that he's a fifth-round pick. And I think for the Patriots, this kind of goes along to building Jared Stidham up. They don't want to bring in Jake Fromm to always, you know, have over his shoulder. You know, it's like the argument I heard um, – with Cam Newton not sign, you know Buffalo, and they gave Buffalo as an example. You don't want to bring in a guy to be your backup who has a big name because the moment your starter struggles, who you believe in, fans are going to call for them. So I can understand that. Would I have been mad if they took a flyer on Jake Fromm in the fifth? Absolutely not. Um, and I think the reason he fell, you know, it's something we talked about last time I was on the show. Um, it's physical traits, and Jake Fromm. He really just doesn't have anything physical about him that screams, this guy's going to be good in the NFL. And, you know, I know that's not the be all end all, but, you know, he regressed in college for two years. He's not mobile. He's not particularly big. He doesn't have a strong, the strongest arm. You know, his, his accuracy struggles a bit at times. So I'm not surprised. I'm a little surprised he fell just because he had the name power, but. You know, I think the Pat's not taking him. It's literally just because they believe in Stidham and they don't want to screw up his development or hurt his confidence.
0: And I want to go back to the point you made in the middle there, which was about the big name uh, being someone that the fans are going to call for. And I think that's a great point. I think that's what you saw maybe with Tebow in Denver is when you draft that guy, that college star, and you, you don't think he's ready and you don't think he's better than what you have in there. The and the fan frenzy spikes up because people know this guy. They've seen him in college. They've seen him have success in college. And uh, I, so I do think that's a great point that maybe the Patriots were looking to avoid that circus. It, you know, you can't draft that guy. Maybe they felt they couldn't draft Jake Fromm to be their backup. They just couldn't do that. And I, I would understand that. I think that's a good point. Um, another potential reason I could see them passing on Fromm because at, at least as it pertains to a backup, you know, we could talk about outside of Siddham. Um, and, and passing on so many times, maybe they really just loved one of these undrafted guys they brought in, whether that be Jamar Smith or Brian Lewerke. And no matter what point it got to in the draft, maybe they just knew they wanted to save that quarterback roster spot, that third roster spot, for one of those two because they had them ranked higher on the board and the, the plan all along was to get one of them an undrafted free agency. You know, I don't, I don't think that's very likely. I don't think it ever makes sense to plan for undrafted free agency because someone could always take the guy, but it's possible. You know, it's possible they are really enamored with one of these guys. And I'll say this is really, you know, it's, it's a really good situation at the Patriots for an un, for an undrafted quarterbacks right now. You know, the position is in, is in flux. Uh, they, they'll want some real competition. And they'll have about um, as, as serious as a shot at, at the starting job or just even a roster spot than they'd have anywhere else. And I'm not saying they do have a shot at the starting job. I'm just saying uh, as far as undrafted guys go, this is about as good of a chance as you're going to get. So I don't want to give too much credence to the undrafted guys because I know they're undrafted and they haven't even done anything yet. But the undrafted quarterbacks have had success before. You know, obviously, Tony Romo is someone people bring up constantly. Uh, Kurt Warner and Warren Moon, you know, those are three really good to great quarterbacks. And then you have some lesser guys like Jeff Garcia, Jake Delhomme, and Brian Hoyer. So... You know, I would say that you can have some hope that undrafted guys can turn into something because it's happened, I would say, consistently before. Those are six guys that have started games in the NFL. Um, You know, I would say of the two, Smith probably excites me more. Lawerke, honestly, I think they might look at Lewerke and think that they can get the same out of him that they think they could have got out of Fromm because they profile quite similarly. Uh, He's kind of your typical unspectacular standard pocket passer. And, you know, people are already comparing him to Brian Hoyer. Smith, it just seems like there might actually be some untapped potential there. I, I, I just saw a few plays today that were making the rounds on Twitter, and he has some throws that will make you turn your head a little bit. Like, this guy is is uh, better than you would expect to me from from an undrafted quarterback.
1: Not definitely. I mean, Smith's a guy I personally haven't done a lot of work on yet, so I'm going to be catching up on him. Lewarkie, um, you know, as I remember watching him, I think he's a redshirt sophomore. Um Yeah, Michigan State. You know, obviously comes from a big program. That's always a plus for a quarterback in a tough division. Um, And he had a good sophomore year. You know, he threw for twenty touchdowns to seven interceptions. uh, And a team that tends to run the ball a little bit more. And they've had some good quarterbacks come out of there. And Kirk Cousins. um, I I loved I loved Connor Cook before this. Um, Didn't have the best NFL career, but a very good college quarterback. But the last two years, I mean, is – I mean, I've watched. I'm an Ohio State fan, so I've watched. A lot of games. I've watched him play Michigan State and man, the guy looked just like garbage. He could barely hold down the job as a junior, you know, throwing more picks than touchdowns, 8 to 11 that year. Last year, he bounced back a little bit, but still just nothing spectacular, but he's got ideal size. He's 6'3", shade under 220, um, you know, half decent arms. So he's a guy, I mean, I can definitely see, you know, the Hoyer comparisons and but um, you can definitely yeah. I can see the guy being a guy that Belichick and the coaching staff think they might be able to coach up into something. And yeah, obviously we've had a good success drafting quarterbacks in the past. Obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett in recent memory. So. Yeah, I think they trust themselves, and obviously you're going to bring in depth. One of these guys is going to make the roster unless they bring in somebody entirely new. Um, They're going to go into the year with three quarterbacks, I think. I don't see this being Hoyer and Stidham. I think they'll keep one more extra. Uh, But, I mean, if they can get something out of him, then that's great. But, again, I just love the fact that they're just, you know, they've fully committed to the Stidham train. And, you know, I think he's earned the right to really just have that shot.
0: And who knows maybe if they do bring in another quarterback here that brian hoyer could be the odd man out and one of these undrafted guys could still make the roster you know that they all still has to play out so he's
1: essentially the second quarterback coach at this point
0: he's here to just coach up him, and back him up if needed so let's talk about the tight ends now in the draft they took two right in the third round back to back a bit surprising that they would double up that that quickly but that's what they went and did um, what do you think of these two guys?
1: I like the moves. Um, I thought there were some better guys left on the board. But, you know, again, and I kind of talked about this, you know, the the issue this year was the media valued people differently, and we never really got to see the true NFL intel and what general managers and coaches valued these guys at. So, I see SC is a really good athlete. You know, he's a guy who can really make a difference in a long passing game. You know, your a career... Average catch of 15.2 yards over his three years started at Michigan played two years at UCLA. He didn't really do anything his first two years, you know, last year was kind of his breakout year um, with 44 catches for 641 yards, a couple touchdowns here and there. Offense that you know it had its nights in the Pac 12, but overall that team struggled. Uh, But he showed some good athleticism. You know, he is a solid blocker. You know, he's got to work on it, but he definitely gives the effort. So he can be a good red zone target. Good athleticism there. You know, I think he's a plug and play player. And then you have Dalton Keane, who he was using the running game a little bit at Virginia Tech. You know, he wasn't a high producer, but you know, he's another guy. Who adds some size to their prof- to the what they're trying to add? You know, he's 6'4", 250 plus. Um, so I think they they mainly just took two guys who they think they can do a few different things with, um, and both of whom who can do some blocking. And like I said, Keen can run it a little bit, and I see it's just kind of that more downfield threat.
0: And they definitely went against the grain here with these two picks because you and I know that there were tight ends that I think we both liked better than than these two, Hunter Bryant. Adam Trotman was a guy that I spent a lot of time campaigning for before the draft. And the fact that they didn't go with him and they went with these two guys that were ranked much lower on tight end big boards really surprised me. You're right, a CSC, his athleticism definitely stands out as something that's appealing. Um, but, you know, you go back, you look at these big boards with, with these other guys. And the Patriots, with a CSC and Keane, they were the second and fourth tight ends off the board in the entire draft. So they had them ranked. Fairly highly on their big board as far as the position is concerned. Who's to say how high that actually was, whether it was second and third in the tight end position or even first and second, who knows where where they had it. But they clearly really liked these guys a lot more than other people did. So I, does that surprise you that these two guys were ranked as highly to them as they were when you compare them against some of the other players that went in the draft?
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, outside of Cole Komet for me, the tight end class, it wasn't very good. You know, I think Komet stands out, even though he's not a guy who's going to create separation. I think that's his main issue. You know, obviously, you know, a guy we'll talk about more and Trotman. He's someone who I really liked. You know, I was probably the second or third tight end in this. The only thing I can ex- I can say to that is, you know, maybe it's level of competition, maybe it's some size. Not sure, honestly. I'll take Belichick's word on it. He's definitely a smarter guy than I am. Um, Hunter Bryant, you know, he really didn't perform great at the combine, and he's definitely more of the of a pass catching back or a tight end. You know, he's not going to be much of a blocker. He tried to add on weight for the combine, and just didn't perform well. So I think that probably hurt him. Um, I didn't think it would hurt him enough to not go, not be drafted, which was a huge shock to me. Um, and he would have been my number one player available. You know, I think Detroit got an absolute steal there. A guy like Thad Moss didn't get drafted either. I guess it was an injury concern for him um, that forced him out, but he's still signed with Washington. So, you know, I'll take Belichick's word on this one. In a bad tight end class, they got guys who the media didn't particularly love, but we don't know how other NFL teams are valuing these guys as well.
0: Well, I mean, just comparing it to your tight end rankings prior to the draft, you had a CSC. Seventh in your top ten tight ends, and Keen was not even ranked in your ten. And they had them ranked second and fourth at least. I mean that discrepancy, and you're not alone. These guys were not high ranked on these boards, as I said. So, uh, just that discrepancy is insane to me, and it's uh, at least a little bit of cause for concern. I get what you're saying. There's differences here. They could be end up being right in this, but uh, it's just when you look at these other names on the board, and I, I get what you're saying that there was kind of. I, I get what you're saying that Cole Komet was run with a bullet, and then all these other guys were kind of grouped into a pool, and, and you know it was hard to differentiate between these guys to some extent. But I mean, there was still a little bit of a hierarchy here, and these were again risky picks, not something the Patriots are really uh, uh you know new to. They they are used to kind of drafting uh, players that that you know that experts aren't necessarily behind, and they, you know they're used to having their drafts panned. And, you know, guys emerging, but it's still surprising that they had these guys ranked so much higher than most people did. And I I get what you're saying about the media, you know, not being right or, you know, just not having a difference of opinion and what, what other what reasons could have contributed to that. But this was all season. This was, you know, even back when the quarantine wasn't going on. This is what people saw on tape throughout the college season, and it never really was a CSC or Keen as in the top five of this tight end class. So uh, despite it being weak, it's, it's still surprising the Patriots value these guys as highly as they did. I'll say a CSC
1: seems like the guy who in the third round, that didn't surprise me at all. Dalton Keen was definitely the surprise for me. Um, I think if they just left it at a CSC, we kind of leave it be, and we say, oh, Trotman was on the board, but... Yeah, Keen is definitely the wild card here for me.
0: Um, do you think that these guys immediately slide in as their number one and two tight ends next year? Or do, you, do you? Who do you think is the odd man out between Lacoste and Izzo?
1: I feel like we keep. I think Izzo might be out. Um, I think A.C.S.C. might have. I mean, it's it, the in terms of ability. I think it's A.C.S.C. is the number one. Lacoste knows the system and had some moments last year. But I mean, if you had to, if I had to guess a depth chart right now, I'm probably going. A CSC, Lacoste, and then Keen at
0: this point. All right, last thing we'll talk about here is the pick of Kyle Duggar, the first player they selected in the draft. After trading down, I just want to start off by saying this. Defensive backs in the second round are becoming a bit of a Patriots cliche at this point. Uh, And I'm just going to do this. I'm going to read off to you all the defensive backs that they've taken in the second round since 2011. And I want you to tell me who The best player on this list is all right. All right, all right. Here we go Kyle Duggar, Jawan Williams, Duke Dawson, Cyrus Jones, Jordan Richards, Tavon Wilson, Ross I. Dowling all defensive backs, seven all taken by the Patriots, all in the second round. I can't we're counting Duggar for this? Sure, I'll take Duggar. I mean, what does that say that you're taking the guy they just drafted over all six? of the players they previously took. I, I mean, that's that says a lot about how bad they've been at that, that that spot in the draft, and yet they continue to do it. And, you know, this was something that uh, Tommy Curran even confronted Belichick about to some extent on a conference call recently where he said, Uh, oh, you haven't had success in the second round much, especially with defensive backs. And Belichick kind of pushed back on it, and now you kind of see why. It was because... Well, he was planning to do, do it again this year and take another defensive back in the second round. So, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you say, uh, you know, does he really deserve the benefit of the doubt anymore when it comes at least specifically to this? check is great in a lot of areas, but does he deserve to, to get a pass or anymore or just get blind faith when it comes to this position, taking defensive backs in the second round? Because he's failed time and time again here recently at that spot.
1: I, trust me, as a Pats fan, as a draft fan, I've been extremely frustrated over the years with some of the picks the Patriots make. And, you know, whether it's the players they take or it's the players they don't take and the talent they leave on the board, in my opinion, I've had plenty of disagreements. But at the end of the day, it's been a winning franchise for 20 years now. Obviously, a lot of that was due to Tom Brady, but it's primarily Bill Belichick building these teams, so... I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And if he likes a player, I'm going to trust him. And you know what? He struck out on second-round DBs for, what, six years or something like that now. Keep swinging. Kyle Duggar's a lot different than some of these guys, too. And, you know, I'll let you kind of take it from here. But I I trust Belichick. He's the greatest coach of all time. So I'm going to give him the
0: pass. I mean, what do you make of the pick, particularly as it pertains to the fact that he was drafted ahead of high-ranked safeties, like Delpit and Winfield, who went shortly thereafter. I know those are two guys that you like better than Duggar in that spot.
1: I did, um, but here's the understand. Here's where I understand the pick. Um, number one, Kyle Duggar is a safety, but he's a guy with the size and athleticism that he's going to play a little bit of linebacker too. Um, and I can see him kind of being that chess piece in Belichick's defense going forward. Obviously, safety was something we wanted to address with, you know, McCordy and Chung getting a little older. So, I like the pick for it. Um, Delpit durability issues and he's had issues tackling. He's high upside. The fact is, I like I loved Grant Delpit in 2018. You watch him, he should have won the Thorpe Award that year. He was he looked like a top 10 pick in this year's class. 2019 film sucked. It absolutely sucked. He had an ankle injury that he couldn't get over. He wasn't chasing down players or players in the field to tackle him. You saw him in the national championship, not running guys down. So that's a concern. And, you know, I think Cleveland, you know, they took him, and I get it. They had a needed safety, and it makes a lot of sense. He's a national champ and a talented player. And it could be the steal of the draft because he could be 2018. Maybe he was just trying to preserve his body last year. But it also could be 2019, and in 2019, Grant Delpit should not be starting in the NFL. Like, that's a fact. So I think that's – I can understand why the Patriots passed on him. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., who was my number one safety. I love the kid. He's got the NFL pedigree. It's injury issues. You know, he had he's had a lot of injuries in this past. So I get it. I'm not saying I'm happy about that. If you want just a pure safety – but I understand why they could pass on him if that's something that came into their mind. Um, But again, you know, I saw the Duggar pick, and I feel like if you're not a draft fan, you have no idea who Kyle Duggar is. You've never heard of Lenore Ryan, which is, that's completely understandable. Uh, It's in either North or South Carolina. That's all I know about it. Um, But this guy, he earned the right to be in that spot. He was getting some first-round buzz after the Combine and after the Senior Bowl, you know, this guy comes out of Division Two, the Defensive Player of the Year, 6'2", 220, great testing numbers at the Combine. And then, you know, the key thing for me is he came out of the Senior Bowl and he's going against some of the best players in Division One, And he absolutely balled out against them, held his own Did extremely well. Was one of the top performers there. and You know, that's when he started getting that first-round buzz. So, I, you know, people are mad. Like, why didn't they take the, you know, this guy, this guy. This is the New England Patriots, for the love of God. They never, ever take the sexy names in the draft. I think we can just, we can all determine that. You know, I can't think of the last guy who I'm just like, wow, they got like the one of the best guys in this draft. No, they take their player. They take the guys who we value in like the second, third round. They take them early because they just think they'll fit the system right. So this was a typical Patriots draft. You know, my grades will be coming out soon. I gave them a B for it because, you know, that's just a good, it's a good draft for them. And... I, I like the Duggar pick again. I think he's going to be a guy who is a chess piece for Belichick, and you know, one week can play some safety, one week play a little linebacker, one week he might spy somebody on the defense on the offense. You know, I think they're going to be able to do a lot with him, and he can eventually take over one of those safety spots. As as I mentioned earlier, Chung and uh, McCourty, while they we just signed McCourty, you know, they're getting older.
0: I'll say this. I mean, You mentioned having faith in the Patriots and trusting them with their picks because they have done well in the draft. I, I'll give the Patriots credit basically for anything after the third round because they've done well in the third, fourth rounds picking up guys like Shaq Mason, Joe Tooney, James White. They, they, they've done that well in that range. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But as far as the first two rounds recently, they haven't been as trustworthy. And I, I mean, when they make a pick like this that is off the board, if, if they take a guy that is, you know, like A.J. Epinesa or Delpit or Winfield, one of these guys that was supposed to go in that range, and even at 37, might have been looked at as a bit of a steal, then you give him a pass there and you say, you know what, that's a fine pick. I still i am not sure about your first and second round, you know, picks and how they've gone in recent years, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But if you go off the board, if you take a guy, if you reach a little bit, not too much, this wasn't too much of a reach, but it was a little bit of a reach, okay? If you do that, then, and you combine that with the fact that you've struggled in that range in recent years, you open yourself up to a little bit of questioning to me, all right? And I'll also say this in regards to Delpit, Pitt, that I think that if we're talking about comparisons to the NFL, he does remind me a little bit of Chunk, you know, not, not completely, but I think there are some similarities there that kind of strike you. And, you know, maybe they just wanted something different ultimately, and that's why they went with Duggar. Uh, I mean, he's obviously a great athlete, and it's cool to see his combine numbers. I, I, I'll just ask you this. Is is there any chance that you think he sees the field at all this year in year one? Because I don't. I mean, the Patriots have a tendency to limit rookies as it is, and I see that as even more of a, a reason, a, more important for a guy making the jump from Division Two to the NFL, especially with McCourty, Chung, and Phillips. I don't see them having a huge need to play him, and I can't see him having much of a role this year. I think they, they're going to take their time with him let him get used to the speed of the NFL, let him develop a little bit in practice. And, I mean, I could see him being one of those underutilized rookies on the team this year just as they try to try to, you know, get him up to speed and get him used to the type of players he's going to be facing week in and week out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised if he's not seeing, you know, a ton of snaps at first, especially early in the season. But I think he'll get kind of like a Winovich count at that point. Um you know again i think you can do so many different things with him you know i think he could play a little bit of linebacker for us this year we're obviously thin at the position right now and didn't do a ton in the draft in order to address that so i think he's going to he's going to find his way to get onto the field it's not going to be you know he's playing 80% of the snaps or anything like that but he's going to see some playing time you know i think he has the athletic profile and the strength in order to do that and Again, you know, he balled out at the Senior Bowl. He he has held his own against the best in Division I. You know, will that does that mean he's going to show out in the NFL? Well, we don't know. We'll have to see. But you can say that about any guy. Some of these Division I guys, they can't hang once they get there. Um, and, you know, again, I think it's when you talk about going off board, you know, this was, this was a solid range for him. You know, him and Jeremy Chin um, from another kind of smaller school – Uh, safety those are the guys who were getting they were getting first round buzz at times you know throughout media um, mock drafts and they both end up going in round two so this was pretty you know this wasn't like a i don't think this was a huge reach for kyle duggar i think this is about where a team might pick him up um and one other point i'll make and this kind of goes to the defensive backs we've been drafting in the past few years a lot of come from larger programs. Um, you know, Florida, Vanderbilt, um, Cyrus Jones came from Alabama. So some of the big-name programs. And where have we gotten defensive backs that have done really well in the NFL? Rutgers. And, you know, these kind of small, smaller schools. And my buddy made a point of this. I was on another pod the other night. The Nora Ryan, obviously, you're not getting the same level of coaching – that you are at, like, an LSU or an Ohio State or an Alabama. Those guys are getting damn near NFL coaching at that point. I think the Patriots like bringing in these guys who haven't had, like, that high level of coaching yet, and they can kind of coach them up their own way rather than these guys from these big programs who maybe they've kind of learned what they can, and that's kind of it. You know, if you can teach somebody more and more it's going to help in their development so much more. And I think that's partly why we've been so successful with these smaller school players. So I think this, I mean, in terms of where Kyle Duggar could land, this might be the perfect position for him. And I think this is a guy the Patriots are going to be able to mold into what they really need rather than having a guy who has all these ideas from other coaches who are NFL quality and the back of his head.
0: Yeah, and it's not just that fact. I think there's another point to be made there that maybe the coaches that the coaches are, since they're great coaches, they're already getting the most out of them, right? Like the Nick Sabans and, you know, what have you, those, those kind of coaches, they're great coaches and they're going to get maybe the most out of the player that they can get out of them. Whereas a lesser coach maybe isn't getting as much out of a player as is there to be brought out of him. And that's I think that furthers that point that you're making. And it makes it a good point. I just, you know, you look at last year, Jawan Williams, Damian Harris, did not play much at all. Nikhil Harry did not play much at all. They might have advanced roles in year two. But, you know, this is something the Patriots consistently do with their rookies. They limit their playing time. Isaiah Wynn, he got injured, so that's kind of a different story. But, you know, there are other guys too. James White didn't play much in year one. You, go, you just go down the list. A lot of their rookies, they kind of redshirt year one. They don't play a lot, and they end up breaking out in year two. And I just see so much more of a reason to do it with a guy like Duggar who's uh, going to need it a lot more when you talk about the the kind of gap he's, he's going to experience uh, and, and going from, you know, Lenore Ryan to the New England Patriots and, you know, the AFC East and all that stuff. So... Um, you know, I I just, I see more of a reason why that's going to happen with him. It happens with everybody anyway. So uh, I I just, I wouldn't expect to see much of him in year two, especially with what they have at the position already, or in year one, I'm sorry, especially with what they have at the position already. Um, All right, Nathan, thank you for coming on the podcast all month. Thank you for all you've done covering the NFL draft and joining us to talk about the NFL draft. We really appreciate it. Guys, go follow Nation on Twitter, at Boston. Keep up with him. I know he has some, some more draft thoughts coming uh, very soon, you know, some wrap-up draft thoughts and maybe some 2021 stuff, but um, he's going to have a I'll little...
1: definitely have some 2021 stuff, my friend. <laughs> I got to start now. I'm going to put out my
0: quarterback right now for you. Trey Lance, North Dakota State. All right, wouldn't, hey, wouldn't be the first North Dakota State quarterback to break out onto the scene. So um, if Stidham
1: doesn't do well, we'll take him.
0: All right, well, guys, be sure to follow me on Twitter. Like I said, at Guy Boston to keep up with all that stuff. Um, you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at the Follow the Pod on Twitter at WickedSmartPod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Uh, and um, just thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.